Hello and welcome to Heroes Unmasked, staff stories from Leeds Teaching Hospital's NHS Trust with me, Caroline Verdon. Here's a question for you. What do champion fencers, award-winning sheep farmers and professional rugby players have to do with Leeds Teaching Hospitals? Answer? They all work for the hospitals. This series goes behind the scenes to meet directors, doctors, support staff and everyone in between to find out who the people behind the masks really are. Welcome to episode six. I'm Caroline Verdon and as ever, please do remember to rate and review and just click follow as well so you don't miss out on any of the episodes. Uh, This week, we speak to Tracy Campy. Now, She's a bereavement midwife at Leeds Teaching Hospitals NHS Trust. But what a lot of people don't realise is that she actually only became a midwife when she was in her 40s and she decided to leave her sensible study job and become the first person in her family to go to university. I was working at a local primary school. We'd had the school holidays and you'd go back after six weeks. And I remember sitting in the in the staff meeting I just thought, what am I doing? Why have I come back? <laughs> I shouldn't be here. <laughs> I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be sat here. And it was like, bing. And I thought, right, okay. So by October half term, I'd got myself a job in A&E at the LGI. Clinical support worker was my role. Because I thought if I'm going to you know, apply for midwifery, then it's quite competitive. I thought I'll get some healthcare experience. Met some amazing people. I think I've really fond memories of working in A&E. Worked there for three years, I think. Um, and then I went from A&E up to children's PICU, intensive care, working with the long-term tracking ventilated children. And did that for two years. And then I just thought, right, now's, now's the time. You know, I've got, got a bit of experience behind me in terms of like healthcare and just an insight into working for the NHS and the hours because, well, it was all shifts and, and nights and things like that. So I thought that'll put me in good stead. And then I went for it, just applied. It's a huge decision to make because you, you had, um, you know, you've, you've got children and the job you were in would have been perfect with schools holidays and yeah. all the rest of it and, money. and, and got a wage and money yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know it's a really brave thing to do to to, to do that retraining it, it was and I was lucky because um my husband was very I think he knew it was like this burning desire and I just needed to try I wasn't sure that I'd I'd ever get there but I just I just knew that I needed to try that would have been enough for me to know that I've tried and if after trying and they just said well thank you very much but no then at least I'd have been able to say well I tried um but but thankfully much to my surprise I got a letter (laughs) to invite me for it gives me goose but it actually gives me goosebumps um I got a letter to say we would like to invite you for an interview and I was like oh my god what what on earth and yeah, my husband went out and he went to the shop and he bought a bottle of cheap face. I don't know what it was. Um, and I found, so I got, went for the interview and then they wrote and said, you got a place. And I'm like, wow, now what? And then that's when the panic set in. The thought of having then to give up my job and study and try and manage everything else on top and 
And, and the thing is with midwifery as well, it's like a full on, you know, you're doing full time placement as well as doing your study. And I didn't ever consider myself to be clever enough in the academic side of things. Um, so I was really nervous, <laughs> really like thinking, oh, my God, have I done that? What have I done? But then you get yourself into a position then, don't you? Because then I was in a position where, well, you know, I've I, I can't I've got to do it now because if now I know that I've got a place, I can't turn that down because that would be something I'd regret. So I had no choice but to accept it. Really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was almost that feeling of I don't want regrets that sort of pushed you through oh, the God, door. Yeah. Yeah. And what was it like doing the training? Because I imagine m- most of your peers would have been oh late God. teens, yeah. early 20s. I was like the mother hen <laughs> of the class. They, they were the same age as my children. So I were like, you know, that old folk. <laughs> I have to say, though, <laughs> I wasn't the oldest student. There was um, another lady who was a little bit older, maybe a couple of years older than me. But, yeah, it was it was really strange. And I remember my first day. I have a really, really vivid memory of my first day at uni. It was really, I can see myself now walking down the road and I'd bought, my, like you do, I'd bought myself a, a school bag. <laughs> and I remember it with this red bag and it got me new file and my pencil case in and all that. And I remember walking down the ring road where we used to live and getting on this bus and it was really weird because it was like a really busy bus because there were everyone were going into Leeds and I was stood up in the aisle because there wasn't enough room um feeling really nervous really excited a bit of everything like you know this is it um and then at the side of me was two two girls and they were just chatting and like you do you can't help but listening to the conversation and there were there must have been third year students and they were doing the dissertation. And embarrassingly, I didn't really know what that was. I just knew that it was something that you had to do as part of your degree. But I remember them talking about how difficult it was and how you know hard they were finding it. And that stuck with me through the whole of my three years. And from that day on, I worried about doing my dissertation I used to worry you know and obviously as it got nearer and nearer to doing it I was just like oh my god um I found it um challenging uh, to say the least um I cried on a, on a regular basis <laughs> It's hard because it's a huge body of work, isn't it? Oh my How God. many is it? Fifteen thousand words. Uh, do you know what? I choose to forget. It was a big piece of work for somebody who'd not been to school for years and years and years and years, and there wasn't anybody in my family that I could ask because, like I say, I was the first person that had gone to uni. So yeah, I have to say credit to the tutors. They were great. They were really supportive. And, you know, I did it and um, I, I, I got a first, I got a first class honours. Amazing. And that's class. so hard, like oh so hard to get when you have nothing else going on, when your entire life is just university, let alone when you've also got a family. Your kids must have been so proud of you. Uh, yeah, they were. Yeah, I think they were. I think they were. I think, yeah, they definitely were. They were proud. Very proud. 
So, and so was my husband. He was like, wow, yeah. you know, well, well done. Because, you know, he paid the price. I mean, God, he was have to put me crying on a <laughs> poor, <laughs> poor, poor guy, you know. <laughs> and oh. what, what is it about midwifery that, that gave and still gives you that burning desire that it, it's something you have to do? It's the most wonderful job I, you could ever wish for. I mean, as its moments, absolutely, of course it does, like any job, but I just find it absolutely fascinating. The fact that, you know, you can grow a baby inside and then this baby come out and it's just, hello. Um, I, it, it is just a miracle and it never, yeah. never ceases to amaze me, ever. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful job. I feel very proud and privileged to be a midwife working in the NHS. It's an amazing thing, I always imagine, that it must be to to be part of that moment where, you know, a person becomes a parent, a couple might become a family. Oh, yeah, it is. It's, it's, it, it, you know, if you, if you actually stopped and thought about it, it is, it's huge. And, and to be to be there at such an important time in somebody's life to help and support and to make a little a difference for them and to get them off to a good start is just huge isn't it it just mm. it's it's one it's one it's wonderful i mean and it's not just all about being there at the birth it's about you know it's right from the start isn't it right from the point of conception even sometimes before you know we have I mean ho- hopefully you weren't there at the point of conception <laughs> oh, no <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> absolutely not uh, um, no just to make that 10 weeks clear. is good enough Ian, isn't it yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> maybe six, seven. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've had women that have rang me that I've, you know, been the first to find out before the husbands. You're like, oh, my God, have you told wow. your partner? Have you told your partner? And they're like, no, but I'm going to tell them next. I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's true. Like a, a midwife makes such a difference, doesn't it? You know, you, you never forget your, your midwives. You might not remember their names, but you remember how they treated you and how they helped you and how right. that then helped you yeah. with your family. Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. And how somebody makes you feel, you know, like you say, they can't. You, they don't always remember the words or what you actually did for them. You can often remember how somebody, you know, if they made you feel relaxed, they made you feel calm, they made you feel scared or uncomfortable or anxious or, you know, it's that, it's that feeling, isn't it, that they often will remember. Yeah. And so you did sort of seven years as a midwife before moving on to becoming a, a bereavement midwife. Mm-hmm. So day to day, you're working with families who are having stillborn babies, have lost their babies. What what was the, the, the pull? What was the draw? Because that must be a really, really difficult job. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it feels a bit feels a bit weird doesn't it saying that it's it's a lovely job because why would a bereavement job midwife have a lovely job because in reality it's it's a a really sad job and I really wish that the role didn't exist because that would mean that we didn't need one um but sadly that's not the case um I suppose the, the opportunity arose in that um, the, a vacancy became available to cover maternity leave. 
and I always knew I always had a particular interest in in bereavement um for various reasons um I remember when I worked in A&E there was a, a family who had um their child was involved in a in an accident and sadly died and I remember them leaving the hospital and I remember looking at them and thinking oh my gosh they're leaving with no support in place and that to me was just oh it just it it just still doesn't sit right with me and I often it was a long time ago that and I often wonder about that family now and wonder how they're getting on it's an interesting position, isn't it? Because yes, it is a role, of course, that everybody wishes didn't have to exist. And yet without that support package and without people in those roles, a devastatingly difficult situation becomes even worse. Mm. Mm. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? That sadly what's already happened has happened and we can't change that. There's nothing that anybody can do that can ever change what's what's happened but what we can do is we can try and provide some some level of support some be a point of contact just somebody be and it's not to do anything heroic or anything particularly special it's just somebody to be there isn't it somebody to listen somebody to just hold the hands sometimes you know somebody just to be there is huge we um we lost our first baby quite late on oh gosh um, and so had a bereavement midwife um and we had to go through birth and it's not something that you ever imagine that you will have to do and I remember at the time for me the thing that kept going through my head was but I've not done any NCT classes I don't know what I'm doing and I thought I would be prepared and I'm not and I don't what if I can't what if I can't and it was the bereavement midwife who made all the difference and we've had fantastic midwives since with our other children Mm -hmm. Um, but the difference a bereavement midwife can make to that heartbreaking situation is huge and the fact that the you know you were talking about that there's then a point of contact I think whilst a lot of people go through miscarriages and stillbirths it's still not something that we talk about and I think it's something that that if you haven't gone through it's really difficult to understand and I think there's this feeling that you get over it you know in two weeks time you go back to work or in a year's time you go back to work and everything's fine and you know that was something that's just happened and that's the end of it but that's not how it works. And, you know, grief isn't linear. And so to have that point of contact, that person who understands that, that you can talk to and be honest with, that's huge. Yeah. And, and yeah, I'm, and I'm, I'm sorry to hear about your baby. I really am. And I, I, I'm glad that you had the, the support because like you say, the thought of, you know, what happened for you is it's life-changing, isn't it? And it's something you could never, ever, you know, no no amount of time will ever, you'll never get over it because it's it's who you are. It becomes part of you now, doesn't it? And it's not something that you, you will ever get over. But just having somebody there just to, like you say, just to, just to be there is... 
It's huge. So it's, it really is. It must be difficult, though, to, um, I suppose, to be surrounded by so much heartache or at least so many huge emotions because I know uh, our firstborn was called Alex and I know when we had Alex, um, the emotions that came with giving birth were the strangest things I've ever experienced because I expected to feel nothing but sadness, but that isn't what I felt. Um, it was a real mixture of extreme grief, but also sort of elation and happiness at meeting my child, even though it wasn't in the way that we had hoped for. It was a very strange experience with huge emotions. And I don't know, to be surrounded by that every day and to be comforting and helping people make sense of these large emotions it must be exhausting. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and and I think it's sometimes hard to, to manage that um, because I'm always really, you know, this, is, this isn't about me. It's about the families that were, you know, I'm caring for. And, and sometimes, you know, it... it there's times, quite a few times, where you, you know you literally just want to burst into tears um, because it's incredibly sad. And you know, who couldn't be touched by by what's happened? And you know, when when you when Alex, you know, you found out that Alex had died. I mean, it's just, it's just your whole world just stops, and it? it just comes crashing down. It's just like what what the hell what's happened it's like my goodness what do we do now where do we go what's going to happen it's it's scary and it's just ugh, it's just and I think for, for me to carry on doing this job which you know I want to do I think I've just got to try and just try and manage it and just know that it helps because it helps me to know that it does make a little bit of a difference for families. That's oh, a huge difference. That helps. And that, like you say, people will say to me, well, what do you say? What do you do? You know, what's the right thing to say? What's the wrong thing to say? And I'm like, well, I don't, I mean, there are, you know, the cliche things that you shouldn't say or the cliche things that you should do and that, but you know, I don't have a script. <laughs> I don't go, well, if you say if you say this. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? That people think that there's some magical thing that you say that will make everything all right or some magical thing that you do that will just take it all away, all that pain away. But that you know, that's totally unrealistic, isn't it? There's no there's no magical solution. It's just you know what works for some people doesn't work for another but that's not to say that that's right or wrong and that's what I'll always say to you know for to to the families that I look after you know don't don't fall into that trap of you know time scales and people what other people expect of you and how you should feel or how you shouldn't feel you know I went I went to a house and there was a this this lady and um she was incredibly upset and we were just we were just chatting and and she said um you think I'm crying because my baby's died don't you and I said well I, I said I don't know I said you tell me why you're crying you know I said I, possibly and she says well I'm crying because this morning she says I was sat watching telly she says, and I was sat on the sofa laughing and I said okay so she says 
Well, she says, I shouldn't be laughing, should I? She says, what kind of person does that make me? So I'm crying because I'm not a very nice person. And I'm like, what? that was huge for me. It's stuck with me because I'm, you know, and I said to her, yes, your baby has died. And yes, that is incredibly sad. But that doesn't take away your right to laugh and to be happy without feeling guilty about it. And she's like, really? And I said, yeah, really? And she says, God, Tracy, she says, I am I'm just beating myself up because I was laughing. And I said, if you if you want to laugh and you, you know, need to like that, and then laugh. And she sort of said, oh, she sort of thanked me as if I were giving her permission to, to laugh. But it was really <laughs> profound. It was a really yeah. profound moment because I think in her mind, like society told her that, you know, these expectations of how a bereaved person, mother, father, grandma, aunt, uncle, whatever, should act. And and I think sometimes people fall into that trap unintentionally because, you know, this is how you do it. This is how you grieve. But you know and I know that that's not true, is it? Not at all. I mean, I, to be able to make that difference, you know, and that's just one one tiny snippet of the difference that you've you've made but to be able to make that difference and have that conversation that's huge yeah but the thing is it's I was just not doing anything particularly special I was just there I suppose at that moment when she needed somebody there and somebody to say do you know what you're not a bad person you're not you're not a bad mummy do you think there is enough support so I think things have got better without a doubt I think there's you know I mean I have my own personal journey of, of, of baby loss a long, long time ago. And um, at that point, there was nobody for me. And just because it was very much like, you know, kept hush-hush under wraps. I shouldn't have even been pregnant. How dare you get pregnant? It was that kind of thing. And there was, you know, there was, other than my husband as he is now he wasn't at, the, at that time but he is now god bless him poor poor guy <laughs> there were you know there was absolutely nobody and I just remembered like just feeling you know it's something you just have to manage on your own you just have to get on with it and you, you just do it don't you and I did and you know he came out the other side of it eventually <laughs> in one piece I suppose um so when I look back to to my own experience um and then I looked at how it is now I think if I'd have you know been in that situation now I probably things would have been very different so yes there is support now the more than perhaps what than they ever was but I still don't feel there's enough I think there's a long way to go <laughs> and so for you is there something else that's still propelling you on? What if I don't do this? What if I don't try that? I'll regret it. Um, I suppose I'd really like to provide a a better service, I suppose. I think for, for me, for me personally, you know, grief can be incredibly isolating, can't it? Very lonely and, and, and scary. 
Um, and I think for me, what I sometimes struggle with is that I know that there might be another lady whose baby's just recently died, that maybe just a few doors down or around the corner or just a bus ride away or whatever. And obviously due to patient confidentiality, I can't tell that lady, say, oh, you know, why do you speak to so-and-so or whatever, <laughs> you know, whilst I'm sure there'd be really good support. So I think I'd really want to work on trying to find a way of bringing those families together so that they can support each other. That's something I'd really like to do. I struggle with that sometimes. And I suppose the next step for me is, you know, it's a little while off, but I'm thinking about retirement. I'm just like... (laughs) (laughs) When do you get to have a break? (laughs) And that's not because I don't like my job. I do, I love my job. And like I say, I find it's a privilege. It really is a privilege. Um, But, you know, it just goes back to that it does take its toll. And there's no getting away from that. I think, you know, we're on a human. Um, and sometimes I feel like I'm not intentionally, but just carrying a lot, like everyone's grief on my shoulders, you know, which is not always a good thing to do because I'm really mindful that for me to carry on doing this job, then I've got to be able to manage that. It's hard, I suppose, because what makes you good at your job is that you care. <laughs> and then yeah. what makes your job extra hard <laughs> is that you care. And that's the thing. And and like I say, it feels, it feels really weird to say that I love my job because I'm the midwife that nobody ever wants to meet. Because I am. What, who, who would ever choose to meet a bereavement midwife? You know, you might choose to meet a midwife because, you know, it's... A happy time in your life isn't it when you find out you're having a baby for, for most people but you wouldn't choose to meet a bereavement midwife would you so to say that it's you know I love my job it just feels a bit a bit weird but it just goes back to like you say just that being able to just make that possibly a tiny bit of difference or just make things a little bit more manageable or bearable at that point giving permission people to be happy and to smile without feeling (laughs) feeling guilty yeah that was this week's guest tracy campy uh, just remarkable the bereavement midwife at leeds teaching hospitals nhs trust Uh, to make sure you don't miss out on next week's episode do give us a review give us a rating make sure you click follow because next week we meet esther jamira now she's a senior project nurse in the corporate nursing department at the trust But what a lot of people don't realise about her is that she is also a published author. And we'll find out more next Tuesday. Heroes Unmasked is an Under the Mast audio production.